What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, community builder at Strong Towns, and welcome to It's Little Things, a Strong Towns podcast where in each episode, we focus on a different action that you, the concerned citizen, the elected official, the city planner, can take to make your town stronger. This week, we've begun our spring member drive, where throughout the week, we share how Strong Towns members across the globe have used the Strong Towns message to make their community stronger. And hopefully, along the way, inspire you to become a member of the Strong Towns movement as well. That's why in this week's episode of It's Little Things, I've asked Strong Towns member Carl Fundenberger, who's popping up on all my feeds with his Strong Towns-inspired advocacy work at Topeka, Kansas, to share how he's used the Strong Towns message to address unique challenges he and his community face. Over the past few months that I've gotten to know Carl, time and time again, he's demonstrated the generosity of Strong Towns members to share their wisdom and hard-earned insights with their peers. And after this episode, I hope you're inspired as well to share the Strong Towns message with a neighbor. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Carl Fundenberger. Carl, what's going on, friend? How are you today? I'm well. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing well. How are you and your peers doing in Topeka amid coronavirus and everything else going on? Y'all hanging in there? We're, we're doing good. We're hanging in there. We're uh, collaborating from afar. Yeah. I've been peeping the, the Bike Topeka website the past few days as we've been preparing for this podcast. And I checked it out again this morning and it was so cool to see a few posts of like this smiling Bike Topeka crew on a Zoom meeting. There were yeah. like rows on rows of you all <laughs> happy to be chatting. Um, I don't recall the topic in particular. Maybe it was the Strong Towns Book Club. But it was just great to see that you guys have really, despite this, of course, the quarantine and the social distancing, still making the opportunity to, to get together and chat about the steps you can take to make Topeka stronger. It was really great to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun to see that folks still want to get together, even though we can't physically get together. Yeah. I love it, Carl. Well, Carl, so excited to have you on the podcast. This is day two of our spring member drive over at Strong Towns. We knock these drives out about twice a year. And really, the purpose of it is just to encourage folk that enjoy reading our content, agree with Strong Towns principles and how it relates to their own place, ask them to consider joining the Strong Towns movement. And a big part of this member drive week is to highlight our members, the folk who have so graciously and so generously donated to the organization and are on the ground doing some really interesting work. And Carl, of course, as I was putting together a list of potential members to interview, had a considerable list. We have a fantastic group, including yourself. But from some recent correspondences, it was made very clear to me that you were the right guy to holler at. So thank you again for being on the podcast. To get us started, I would love to give listeners a chance to learn a little bit more about you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you discovered the Strong Towns Movement? So I'm from Topeka, Kansas. We're, you know, we're a population of about 125,000. And born and raised here. After high school, I was, I was going to leave town. I was going to get the heck out of Dodge and, and go to college somewhere else. And then I found out how expensive that was going to be. <laughs> 
and ended up going to Washburn University here in Topeka, which ended up being a fantastic choice. Uh, it's a smaller school, small class sizes. I had great access to professors. Something that happened while I was at Washburn that really changed the trajectory of my life, uh, probably toward its current course, was doing study abroad in France. You know, I think travel is so important. My wish is that everyone could travel a little bit or even a lot and and really anywhere. I think getting outside of your community is actually the best way to get a new perspective on it. You know, seeing another community is, is a great way to start thinking differently about your own. That's probably the first thing that started me thinking about life in Topeka a little bit differently. After that semester um, and finishing school and you know starting my career here in Topeka, I got really into riding bikes and met a community of folks that also wanted to ride bikes and have fun. And we started Critical Mass here in Topeka, which is like a, in some cities, it's like anarchists going out and riding on the last Friday of the month <laughs> and, uh, you know, like we're bikes and we on the road. Uh-huh. In, Topeka, in Topeka, it was not really anything like that. It was, um, it was a lot more like critical manners. There would be, you know, 10 to 20 of us and we would do a social ride in the city around town and end up at a, at a restaurant or something afterward and, and just really be social. I mean, that, that was the main point of, of critical mass here, but yeah. Was it your interest in cycling that got you into strong towns? Where did that transition occur? Yeah. So with that critical mass group, we started to build this community of people riding bikes and thinking about the city and saying, Hey, you know, we could actually do more here in Topeka to make biking a little more fun, a little safer. So from that group, a few of us started a bike co-op that's been running for 10 years now. And we started getting involved in community coalitions and getting on city boards and things like that. It was about at that time that I discovered Strong Towns. And I'm pretty sure the first post that I read was the growth Ponzi scheme. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's a great one. It really totally captures... I mean, the core Strong Towns message, and that's since World War II, we have adopted a development pattern that is, you know, replacing that long-term prosperity for short-term growth and short-term revenue. You know, we've stopped investing in our core neighborhoods, and instead, the phrase we've kind of coined as Strong Towns, adopted that suburban experiment, building places all at once on the edge of town. Did you observe some of that development in Topeka as well? As we've oh, seen absolutely. in nearly every community across North America, yeah, yeah, examples absolutely. as well in Topeka. Right. It was, um, I mean, reading that was kind of shocking. And, you know, we have an economic development group that's sort of a public-private, you know, quasi-governmental agency. And they're always, they're always working to expand businesses locally, but also recruit businesses to come in. Yeah, it became really clear that what are we giving up by doing this work to recruit some corporation. You know, we're, we're not really building community. We're not really expanding local businesses. We might be getting jobs, but what happens when another city provides a bigger incentive for that same company? Totally, you know? totally. And we don't, we don't want to have a race to the bottom. 
right you know, that right, particular right. corporation is looking for you know that new headquarters the mindset for the local government shouldn't be okay how many millions can i get together to subsidize this particular corporation to move to town instead you know we talk a lot about the small bets and you know who are like existing small business owners in the community who's already doing some of that great work and instead of you know getting together x hundred million dollars to get this one corporation to move to town no matter what their promises are of you know growth and employment projections like who's already here that we can show a little bit of love to and you know help them become a prospective business that can hire more folk and generate more tax revenue and you know contribute to that great social capital we can go into a rabbit hole of talking strong towns but i want to make sure we also focus on your journey as well carl i know advocacy as we kind of hinted at these first eight minutes is is nothing new for you you've been doing a bunch of great work at bike topeka you said you've been in the game for about 10 years now with this co-op i, I want to flash backwards to that time what were you observing in topeka that inspired you to start this group the bike topeka idea started with with the bike co-op and that and those critical mass bike rides where it was just people getting together to ride bikes you know to to promote those rides i literally printed out flyers and posted them around town um, which seems crazy to think about now because i haven't had a printer for, <laughs> for years um you know i met people i'd never met before who had these same interests who you know were demonstrating their interest in, in biking in topeka kind of before we knew it we had a network and we had a community that we could organize more or less we weren't a ton of people but we found out that we represented many others a few years into that our um, our city did a heartland visioning process well, it's a visioning process that they called Heartland Visioning. Is they that like a, a master big... plan of some sort? What is that, Carl? Yeah, more or less. Um, okay. Yeah, a master plan or, or sort of a... Pretty cover or... image. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so part of that was a big community survey that asked for community interests. And thanks to a lot of folks getting online at that time, we had a ton of responses. And... Then we had data. One of the top five responses was that people wanted to bike more in Topeka. Yeah, so that was a huge discovery for, for the folks already riding and knowing about that. But we found out about this huge latent interest where there's a lot of people who wanted to ride but, but couldn't or weren't comfortable. So, so at, at the top of the city, you know, there started to be work done toward uh, improving that. The city planning department proposed doing a bikeways master plan this would look at the current state of things in topeka and then propose improvements for the future they got a plan together and um, proposed it to our city council and mayor and we could get a federal match to to pay for this study it was going to be sixty five thousand dollars total to do the study and this is pretty extensive research. I mean, folks would come to town, you know, actually ride bikes on our streets, do some historical analysis, um, put together a, a really useful professional plan with guidelines about, you know, road markings and, you know, the technical aspects. So, so pretty useful guiding packet of materials. Sure. And inspired by actual observations as opposed to maybe just speculating. 
exactly. about what type of investments we need for this particular plan. That's yeah, great. exactly. Um, the whole price tag was 65000 And if we put up 15000 uh, there was a federal match for the rest. Our mayor at the time vetoed it and said, no, we're not going to spend 15000 on this frivolous plan. <laughs> you know, we wish that the mayor had gone for it. But what was funny was him doing that veto even further galvanized the community <laughs> to, to rally around getting a bike. He went straight time. back to the printer. Yeah. You bet. You bet. Um, and and out of that visioning process, there was a there was a health focus group that that also still exists called Heartland Healthy Neighborhoods, and a lot of the uh, work happened in this group. And this was health advocates. This was exercise advocates. This was just people who like to bike or walk and jog, and people who put on marathons and five Ks and that sort of thing. So it was kind of a cross section of of health folks. That's where this work sort of centered. And um, they got a campaign together called $5 to Override. And we figured if we raised $15,000, you know, five bucks from 300 people, 300 people giving five bucks, that's not that hard. And we decided, well, shoot, we'll do this campaign. We'll raise $15,000 and we'll pay for the match for the study and we'll just get it done. We launched that campaign. And then the next day, the State Department of Transportation called us and said, we found some money that we can put up for the match for the bike race master plan. So I think we, you know, we raised 20 bucks. Um, Color copies. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't even need to spend it because um, KDOT came through with, with the matching funds. So, so that, I, th- I think that was about 2011 that that study started and the bike race master plan was published in 2012. And our planning department has been very successful in pulling down federal grant money in the years since then, building and improving the the Topeka Bikeways network. That's fantastic, Carl. So I know flash forward a few years since they started implementing the Bikeways project, of course, you discovered the Strong Towns movement. And I know something that's really resonating with you from our conversations is the value of those small bets. Now, I know flashing back to that mayor vetoing that project because the city didn't want to put up 15 grand I totally empathize. That'd be super discouraging. Since then, you know, as you've continued to ride around town, observing where people struggle in relation to the built environment, if you were to, you know, have raised that 15 grand, what do you think you would have done with that money if you had the call with the bike infrastructure? Would you have gone with just, you know, one massive project or would you have approached that a little bit differently? What would that look like for you, do you think? You know, we as a community have done a bunch of small bets and a lot of that has been event focused but we have found that that's been that's been really valuable just for getting people out you know if you're if you're a little scared to ride having a group to ride with can can make it so much easier if you have one event and then another event to look forward to and you know dust off the bike and pump up the tires then you're maybe that much more comfortable getting out and riding in the future. And that's so that's a lot of what we've focused on, something that we've been doing here in Topeka for about five or six years is a glow ride. 
So a nighttime bike ride with lights and glow sticks and music and just sort of a winding parade around the city. That's been incredible for us, you know, 20 riders on the original Critical Mass rides because our first glow ride in, I guess it's been five years, our first ride in 2015 had 125 people. Golly, Carl, that's the no next joke. year. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, the next year it doubled. And by last year or the year before, I'm <laughs> losing track now, we had about 400 people riding bikes. Wow. So one, wow. probably the biggest bike ride that we've ever had um, hosted locally and the biggest social ride for sure. You know, this was a five mile loop, but we had families, we had older folks, there were a ton of kids, there were folks on rollerblades. That was a great way to um, see the community come out and sort of show that they do support, that they do want to ride bikes. So that's been um, that's been something that we've been working on. There, we do other events too. Um, we do a Cranksgiving uh, food drive on bikes here, and that's that's fun. That gets that gets people out too. We had folks come in from Kansas City and Manhattan, an hour either direction from Topeka, to ride in our Cranksgiving. So that was really fun this last year. Um, well, as COVID passes, is this an annual event, the Glow Ride? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to have to get the Strong Towns posse together. Yeah. And I'm going to have to make our way over to Topeka to yeah. join his crew. And who knows how many folk you'll have by then. Might be maybe 500 by then. I hope so. That's amazing. A lot of bike advocates, you know, like myself, before I joined Strong Towns, the main reason that I wanted to have bike infrastructure was not so much from, you know, a financial productivity, you know, point of view, but it was more so. You know, I wanted myself and my peers to be able to, you know, explore our places, engage with our neighborhoods without having to, to hop in the whip. You know, if we live, you know, a mile or two from our particular destination, you know, it's super bikeable. We want to feel safe making that trip. But I know from the work you've done at Bike Topeka and as I've got to know you a little better, you guys have done a great job capturing, you know, that core advocacy for bike groups, focusing on, you know, the livability and creating safe bike routes for all ages. But you've since paired it with this fantastic financial component of helping your peers and your elected officials understand that, you know, whenever we say we want to invest in bike infrastructure, this isn't frivolous. This isn't silly. This isn't just like an add-on to the work that we're doing, but it is critical to actually building more financially productive places. Could you speak a little bit to that transition in your advocacy and how, you know, some of these strong towns principles of looking at the financials of a community complemented are the great work you were doing with Bike Topeka. What was that transformation like? Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm uh, clearly a bike nut, but yeah, um, there's so much more to it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as, as you described, one of my favorite examples is comparing the, the Katie freeway in Dallas, huge highway. It's like 12 lanes or something like that. And it has capacity to move something like 225,000 cars an hour. But you look at the Champs-Élysées Boulevard in Paris, and it's only four lanes of 
car traffic that has bike lanes on each side and huge sidewalks. And the Champs-Élysées moves 400,000 people an hour. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it speaks to how we've overbuilt with the vehicular infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the Champs-Élysées has shops up and down it. Uh-huh. There's no shops right on the highway. So so that right there is 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 one of my favorite examples of how you know bike infrastructure pedestrian infrastructure good sidewalks not just a narrow strip of concrete but a good wide sidewalk with connections is one of the cheapest ways to build financial resilience in your city you build you actually build capacity for your roadways and it's much cheaper than digging down, you know, 30 inches to to put enough concrete to support your highway. You know, you don't have to go that deep to, to put in a sidewalk. You're exactly right, Carl. And then considering, you know, those nearby neighborhoods, say you have, you know, a thriving Main Street or downtown, which, you know, through the work at Urban 3, we've learned is the most financially productive neighborhoods whenever you compare, you know, the cost of actually servicing that neighborhood you know, utilities, road infrastructure, sewer lines, all that good stuff, comparing to the revenue that the properties generate blows every other development pattern out of the water. And then so imagine, you know, for those nearby neighborhoods, if we made it easy for them to access those neighborhoods by foot or by bicycle, suddenly I'd imagine we see a shift where, you know, maybe that lot that we had planned for, you know, a $5 million surface parking lot, taking up a good chunk of our downtown and main street, suddenly we might see, you know, more businesses, some housing, things that not only contribute to the wellness and livability of the community, but also the financial resiliency of the local government. How has that advocacy been working for you guys in Topeka? I know we had a great profile of you in one of our recent Friday roundups and you gave some examples of what you've observed in downtown Topeka and the shifts you'd like to see. What has it been like advocating for these types of concepts? So it's it's been exciting, um, you know. And these are these are pretty new ideas for some folks. So we're um, you know we're introducing them and we're introducing them again, and then we're giving examples and you know being patient as as other folks kind of let these ideas sink in. I was really excited that we got to share a webinar with Urban Three recently with some city staff. And then since then, we've also started the Strong Towns Book Club, you know, to continue having these discussions about uh, about development in Topeka and what's important and, and, you know, what our priorities probably should be. We have a couple engineers that happened to join our Strong Towns Book Club. And they went ahead and asked the city for property tax data for wow. every property. They're they on the their, move. Yeah, yeah, they made their own 3D map of you know, value per acre in the city. We had a city council member join that Strong Towns Book Club too. So we were able to share the results of that on our last Zoom call and say, yeah, here are the top two most profitable you know, to the city properties in Topeka. They're both downtown neither one includes a parking lot. You know, they're both on small lots and they're bringing in a ton of money per acre. We even looked at some residential neighborhoods 
and we were able to show you know one of the one of the nicest new developments kind of on the fringe of town out past the lake uh has huge houses and and big price tags but big acreage they are paying less per acre than folks in a core old neighborhood with 120 year old houses on small lots and not all of those houses are in great shape in this old neighborhood but these folks are paying more per acre in property tax than the folks out in the very nice homes on the fringe of the city it is it is sobering statistics carl and i'm so excited that y'all had the opportunity to to find those in your own community and what i find most inspiring and what gets me most you know enthused from seeing that data it's like okay we've identified the most productive neighborhoods in our community that generate the most tax revenue guess what like the response isn't okay let's have a new like master plan for this community how do we capitalize on all this productivity guess what all we have to do is just maintain it you know let's build some sidewalks let's take care of the roads let's put in those bike lanes let's get up some street trees just small bets that you know over time will you know continue to generate more tax revenue but not to the point where it displaces any residents it's a fantastic fantastic revelation and listeners i was going to say i'll put the webinar in the show notes but i'm now realizing as i'm saying it there's tons and tons of links that reference this kind of stuff but we'll put the the joe mccosey's urban 3 presentation in there that carl referred to really gives some great examples of how you could probably see how this, you know, revelation plays out in your own community. Carl, as we wrap up, I want to show a little bit more love to you by speaking to the generosity of our members. You know, um, at Strong Towns, you know, the phrase that we use is that we want this to be, you know, a bottom-up revolution. We understand that while we do have, you know, some core Strong Towns principles that if cities were to adopt them, um, they'd start to dig themselves out of this hole of financial insolvency. But largely, we understand that each place is unique, and we need to have people just like you, Carl, who you know trust their observations in relation to strong towns principles and willing to share them with their peers. I know you've done a great job sharing how you've advocated for these principles within Topeka, but also even just this past week, week and a half, I had the fantastic opportunity um, to kind of lurk via email, I guess is the right verb, of how you've been able to share how other bike organizations, in particular, the one we're going to talk about is the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition, um, who another fantastic Strong Towns member, um, Genevieve Barber, is a part of, who, like Bike Topeka, you know, their core advocacy understandably focused on, you know, creating safe bike pathways but as they started to discover strong towns wanted to find a way to complement their advocacy with these discussions of creating more financially productive and prosperous places um briefly could you just tell us a little bit about that conversation and kind of what that taught you about just how applicable the strong towns principles are for all different sorts of interests that get people involved in city building whether it's you know walkability bikeability can you speak a little bit to that conversation you had with Genevieve? Yeah, I really, I really appreciate you connecting us. We, as humans, I think, tend to feel like, oh, we're all alone, and 
these struggles that I'm having are so big and they're, they're just on me and, and I'm the only one who can figure it out and gosh, this is hard. But when we remember to reach out and, and ask for help or, or lean on others, we realize that you know, our struggles are really the same everywhere. You know, we want the best for our cities, for our homes, for our people, for our family and friends. This strong towns philosophy wraps so much of that all together. You know, it appeals to folks who are making the choices in government and they've got a bottom line to answer to. You know, they've got to be solvent. They've got to balance a budget. They've also got to make people happy kind of on on all sides of, of political philosophy. And this strong towns idea has a little bit of something for, for everyone. So to hear from you know, Atlanta, which is a which is a huge city, and they're having you know some of the same discussions that we're having in in Lowell, Topeka. That's really neat that that we can share that. You know, and I'm I'm really excited to see where Atlanta will take it because I'm sure it'll be big and awesome. We'll be learning from them, just as they've shared with us. So, I wish I could CC all of our listeners on that email thread so they can see <laughs> that discussion. It, it was fantastic. I don't think there's a way for us to do that. You got to interview Genevieve next. <laughs> I had the pleasure of having Genevieve on the podcast. Oh, she's Maybe been on. Cool. Okay. She planted, I, I kid you not, Carl, uh, Cabbage Town. I was trying to recall the name of her neighborhood. Cabbage Town in Atlanta. She lives on a somewhat speedy block. You know, the, w- the way in which it was designed. Wide, windy lanes, no curbs. It, it encouraged people to drive a bit too fast, of course, as we talk a lot about strong towns. And fantastic Genevieve, her response was to start a little neighborhood association and start planting some street trees. So there's a fantastic photo on the strong towns community site of she and her neighbor's son planting street trees along this block. And again, is that going to slow the cars overnight? No. But while we start to make these small bets towards slowing the cars, a fantastic first step. So yeah, we had her on the podcast to talk about street trees, which was great, but I'm with you as she continues to do great work at um, ABC, the Atlantic Bicycle Coalition. I imagine we'll need to revisit that story. It's going to be great. I appreciate you, Carl. I mean, we were talking internally um, this week as we were preparing for the, the member drive about what, what's kind of like the core goal that we want from this drive. And it's, of course, we want to be able to pay, you know, our bills, pay our staff, and we want to get some new members to not only, of course, generate some revenue, but also have more people across their communities saying, you know what, I believe in these principles and how they can make my place stronger. And I think you put it so well in this last part, Carl. And you said, you know, a lot of us just feel alone in this process. We understand these strong tense principles. We, we care about our place. We care about the finances and understand we need communities that endure. Like, you know, having having the bike lanes is great. Having the small businesses is great. But if we're not doing the math on our developments, it's not going to matter much in the long run. We need to have the finances be, you know, the prerequisites to prosperity. And we were saying, you know, what we hope we get from this drive is that people feel like they're not alone. Like, yes, maybe today, I know this isn't the case in Topeka, but wherever I am, anywhere USA, Maybe right now I am, you know, that lone advocate for strong towns. I'm speaking up at council meetings and folk just looking at me funny. 
we hope that through this drive, you find a few other, few other folk in your community that believe in that, uh, in those principles. You find a posse. Um, so that's a fantastic message, Carl, and you guys are living it in back to Topeka and really so excited to follow along. I know I speak on behalf of the entire Strong Tense team. I, I even I shared the Back to Topeka homepage. We have a little kudos channel on Slack where we say, hey, like here's some good folk doing some cool, exciting work, and they're throwing those heart emojis at me. So keep up the fantastic work, Carl. We are really excited to follow along. Well, thanks, Jacob. You know, Strong Towns has given us so much. So, um, you know, we're our our community is really in full support. We're happy to um, to see where it goes in the future. Fantastic. Well, Carl, thank you again, friend. This has been a joy. Keep us updated as new stuff's going down at Bike Topeka. Keep us updated on bike rides. I'll get my glow sticks. All right. I look forward to talking soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Carl. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed the episode with Carl Fundenberger as much as I did. That was a that was a great time. If you are inspired to join the Strong Towns movement following this episode, I encourage you all to visit strongtowns.org/membership to join the Strong Towns movement. We are day two at the time of this recording into the spring member drive over here at Strong Towns, and we would love your support. Again, you can visit strongtowns.org slash membership to join the movement. Thanks everyone and talk soon.